It is February 8th, 2023, and welcome to episode 179 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm Jessica Jones, Deputy Executive Director here at NSI. And today I'm joined by special guests and NSI Senior Fellow, Morgan Vigna, and then our usual Jamil Jaffer, NSI Founder and Executive Director, also my boss. Okay, so what do we talk about today? First off, we've got Moscow and Tehran are moving ahead with plans to build a new factory in Russia that could make at least 6,000 Iranian-designed drones to be used in the war in Ukraine, which is yet the latest sign of a deepening cooperation between the two nations. While ground hasn't broken yet on the factory, stories show officials from both countries scouting locations. Uh, Drones from this factory could fly faster and further, posing new challenges for Ukrainian air defenses. While this was in the news, the story isn't exactly new news, as Iran has been providing Russia with hundreds of so-called suicide drones that have been used to hit military and civilian targets in Ukraine, in particular to hit Ukraine's power grid. Ukraine's air defenses have succeeded in largely neutralizing the drone threat till now, and Ukraine has shot down over more shot down more than 450 drones. In addition to the story over the growing coziness of Russia and Iran, uh, what makes this drone headline even more interesting is that news reports have shown that U.S. and Western components have been found inside Iranian Iranian drones. In fact, the White House created administration-wide task force to investigate how U.S. and Western-made technology, ranging from smaller equipment like semiconductors to larger part like larger parts like engines, have ended up in Iranian drones. So, you know, the first question is, how serious is this story, right? The, the creation of this factory in Russia making Iranian drones, both in terms of the conflict um, and then in terms of, you know, long-term Russia-Iran relations. Morgan, since you're, you're a special guest, we'll start with you. Sure. So this is clearly a sign of deepening relations between Russia and Iran. Now, these two countries have already been working together for years, well before Russia invaded Ukraine. Um, I'm specifically thinking of Russia, you know, already working with uh, Iran on the Fordow nuclear plant, um, which I'll note the Biden administration actually renewed sanctions waivers on January 31st, actually, that permit cooperation uh, for these Richmond sites. So on the one hand, you've got Russia and Iran working together on drone production intended to kill and maim Ukrainians in addition to their existing work to further Iran's nuclear program. And on the other side, you have the Biden administration who is providing weapons to Ukraine, which are only to be used defensively, so not to escalate tensions with Russia, while at the same time renewing waivers that permit this nuclear cooperation between Russia and Iran to continue. So all of this is clearly in the name of preserving the space in diplomatic speak for the Biden administration's own nuclear negotiations with Iran and attempting to revive the JCPOA. Of course, it comes back to the Ron deal, which, Jamil, I'm sure that's exactly a great segue to you. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny, Jess. I actually don't want to talk about the Iran deal. <laughs> I actually think that Morgan is exactly right. The challenge here is that um, this is this is a long-standing relationship, as Morgan points out, right? I mean, the Russians have sent T-72 tanks to Iran for years since the 1980s Iran-Iraq war. Um, but this idea that Russia is now fl- secretly flying in cash to Iran, a cash that it desperately needs, even though it's under continuing U.S. sanctions. The Biden administration has lightened up those sanctions, um, but it still is under significant sanctions. This cash coming to Iran is obviously can be used for its nuclear program, which, as Morgan correctly points out, Russia's long been helping with. But, you know, it goes further than that. They sent them uh, American-made weapons as well, our Javelin missiles, uh, British anti-tank missiles, so they can understand what our capabilities are. The Iranians can. The Russians sent this material over to them in exchange for these suicide drones. So, you know, it's obviously, a, you know, the creation of what I think is a new potential you know, uh, alliance between uh, the Russians, the Iranians, 
Uh, the Chinese, we heard about this new no limits partnership that the Chinese and the Russians have. Now, of course, there are important differences and, and there are disagreements between those powers. Um, then, of course, the North Koreans have long been providing uh, weaponry and know-how, nuclear and, and ballistic missile capabilities to the Iranians. There's been a lot of back and forth between those two nations. So I see a real burgeoning of, of relationships between uh, countries that are, are opposed to uh, the United States, to our friends in the EU, to our friends in Asia, to our friends in the Middle East. It's a real problem. And I'm shocked, you know, that the Biden administration didn't mention that new relationship. Uh, the president didn't mention it during the State of the Union. Uh, both Russia, Ukraine and China got very little time in the State of the Union. So I worry uh, that, you know, and Iran wasn't even mentioned. So I worry that the administration, at least publicly, um, isn't focused on these challenges, even though they, they, they're they working on them internally. They're not convincing the public they need to be engaged and that's my big worry about that, about that situation. Uh, I was going to mention the Biden's uh, lack of talking about China in the State of the Union, but Jamil beat me to it. He took my talking point. Uh, but before we move outside the region, you know, I think, you know, one question as we see deepening potentially banking ties between Russia and Iran and, you know, evading sanctions, when we see Iran stepping up the kinds of requests they're making for military, you know, equipment more sophisticated from Russia, you know, what does this mean for relations with with Israel, right? For region, for, you know, relations in the region, Russia's relations with Israel, which has reigned pretty quiet when it comes to the conflict. And now we see, you know, deepening relations with Iran, you know, how, what's, what's that going to do? Yeah. So just there's, there's clearly a lot to unpack here and you could have, you know, an entire podcast <laughs> episode <laughs> on, on this topic. Um, so I think when we think about the Israel-Russia relationship, you know, it's it's a dynamic one. You know, I think it's important to note that Russians make up about 15% of Israel's population, 1.3 million, right? Oh, wow. When it comes to Ukrainians, it's, you know, about half a million to, you know, 700,000. So you're pretty sizable population living in, in Israel. Um, so I think important to mention, too, that when it comes to, to Syria, you know, the Russians really control that airspace. Um, particularly, there's, you know, big presence along the border with Israel. And so I think there's um, a strong desire by the Israelis who actually have pretty significant freedom of movement in Syria, not to sort of disrupt that that relationship that they have with Russia. I mean, it's clearly in their national security interest to to sort of balance that equation. Um, Jamil is shaking his yeah, head. Yeah, very much so shaking his head. We'll into, but Jamil, before <laughs> you interrupt me, <laughs> before you interrupt me, I'll also note that, you know, it, it's important to note that I think Bibi Netanyahu, who's the new prime minister in Israel now, um, he's generally had a pretty positive relationship with Putin. So I'll be positive. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. Um, but I'll, I'll be really interested to see sort of how that plays out moving forward. Jamil, I'm all about countries acting their own national security interests and the like. But we got to I mean, of all the countries in the world, Israel should know better. Than to be than to be this deep in with the Russians and be condoning their bad behavior in Ukraine. Um, Israel has been threatened by its neighbors over and over again, invaded multiple times, had to push back on its own. They are much more like the Ukrainians in this scenario than the Russians. And this idea that just because they need the Russians' help in Syrian airspace or because they've got a significant population of Russians. By the way, why do you think Russian Jews are in Israel and not Russia? It's because the be Russian <laughs> to be clear. No, I'm gonna interrupt you. Because to be clear, <laughs> the Israelis are in Syria to attack and to go after Iranian assets and proxies. And the fact that Russia controls that airspace would really, if they were to disrupt that, that would have massive implications for them and their ability to protect themselves against Iran. 
I'm not disagreeing. I'm uh, mm-hmm. well, all I'm saying is the U.S. also has a similar situation. We have troops on the ground in Syria. We need to work with the Russians. But the fact of the matter is the Russians are behaving horribly in Ukraine. They're killing thousands of civilians. The Israelis have been on the receiving end of this exact thing. The idea that they can't step up and call out what's happening in Ukraine and call the Russians out is ridiculous. And I and I get it. I get why they're not doing it. It doesn't make it right. And we're allowed to call that out, even for our allies. I call it out about the Biden administration all the time. I can say it, too, about Israel. They should they should know better and should do better. BB, do better. And that's a wrap, just like. President Joe Biden yesterday, we didn't get to China and we're not even going to get to U.S. parts in these drones. But thank you to Brooke Agaton and Rachel Domino from NSI and Claude Jennings for their help producing today's episode. Join us again on Friday for another great episode of Fault Lines, our podcast that gets you smart fast on the national security debates shaking up America. And if you like what you heard, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.